This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, welcome back to another episode of the DLR Cast. I'm Steve, of course, with my good friend, as always, Darren Powell. What's happening? Steve, great to connect, and thanks to everyone for listening. Yeah, for sure. So you are, full disclosure, you are in the East Coast, and as this is the DLR Cast, yours truly is actually broadcasting live, ostensibly, from Dave's original home state and birthplace about 300 miles away from where he was first born in indiana so there you go there's my one connection as i'm broadcasting live from indiana here whereabouts in indiana i didn't know that part not too far from fort wayne so okay and and if if motley crew were touring they would probably come to where you are in the third leg of the tour Quite possibly. It's yeah. very rural here. It's very nice. Uh, and to paraphrase a Jimmy Buffett lyric, there's those who would say there's a woman to blame. So we'll just leave oh. it at that. So <laughs> congratulations and sorry. It's- <laughs> no, no, no blame or no apologies necessary. But is this the DLR cast? Come on. You know, I'm, I'm not feeling any kismet per se, because I yeah. am about 300 miles away from Bloomington, Indiana. But, you know, for those who think Dave is strictly an East Coast guy, well, he was born in Indiana. He's went moved, I think, lived for a while in Massachusetts, and then did most of the formative years uh, high school on, of course, and meeting the Van Halen brothers yeah. in high school at you know in Pasadena, California. So, yeah. So, and the more Dave speaks nowadays, the more you actually hear that Indiana Middle American kind of accent. No judgment on that end. It's just he's never had a New York accent or an accent. You know, he never has either. And I guess you can kind of hear that that latent country boy still uh, bubbling up later in life, I think. Right. For sure. So well, I kicked off there. What were you about to say? Kevin? I was going to say a good segue as we talk about blooming about uh, we talk about Pasadena here is, well, the latest uh, rumor that's churning out of the rumor mill from, you know, the unfortunate passing of the great and legendary Eddie Van Halen. And that is the ridiculous and asinine rumor that Wolfgang Van Halen had to shut down very quickly. And that is that there was some stupid rumor that got enough traction for him to speak about it in that there was some reunion tour concert that folks were talking about starring Michael, Sammy, uh, Alex, and on lead guitar, Wolfgang Van Halen. I mean, this is just absurdity and on the one hand being a dave fan it's like wait this why isn't this rumor about dave but on the other hand the whole idea of it is just ridiculous on its face yeah it reminds me of when maybe five years ago or so when they were spreading rumors of a pantera reunion with zach wilde replacing dimebag daryl on the guitar part and it doesn't seem like that was something that anybody ever talked about just something maybe a blabbermouth reader <laughs> said in thread. And yes. Like, oh, it's on blabbermouth? Well, maybe we should write about it in Kerrang. Oh, it's on blabbermouth and Kerrang? Well, it's going to be on Brave Words. And before you know it, it's a rumor that people have to shut down. Exactly. What's the, what's? the I'm going to completely mess up the uh the analogy but you will probably get it because you are much more uh you are much more better smarter at this than i am what's the what's the thing a lie uh takes it takes forever the truth to go around the world but the a lie takes half the time do you know what i'm saying here it's like basically yeah. a lie will get more traction ever than the truth will because uh, you know sometimes they're just so ridiculous but people will traffic in and go hey this is a possibility don't get me wrong. I would love to see that tour. <laughs> I think that Wolfgang, did you ever watch the, the video of Wolfgang playing Eruption? 
Oh, yeah, Lord, yes, yeah. In fact, his forthcoming solo record, which apparently is done as in the can, he plays every instrument on yeah. guitar. I've seen him play eruption on guitar and play, seen him play uh, eruption on bass guitar as well. So no doubt the kid is, uh, you know, ridiculously talented. Yeah, so it's a rumor. Uh, we'd love to see it. I don't think it's out of the question to say one day in the future – that we will see something like that. But of course, when somebody is dealing with the passing of their parent, I I don't think that the first thought in their head is, how can I cash in on this? Oh, exactly. And that's the sad thing was that he had to actually go on all, on all the social media and say, this is complete BS and you're hurting me and my family. Stop it. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Now, Having said all that, I did see something online and I didn't take the bait completely to click because I've been super busy, as I know you have been. But I saw something that the city of Pasadena may be working on some sort of tribute or some sort of yeah. thing, whatever. So um, and of course, Sammy did his thing with the circle and some what on a on a barge in Mexico or whatever it was at his resort down there, part of his birthday bath bash. So, I mean, no doubt these things are going to I mean, in the age of COVID and everything else, is there going to be a gigantic, you know, outpouring gigantic you know concert happening at you know the la forum or whatever it is or staples center i doubt that's going to happen but all that stuff just kind of smacks me as smacks me is just kind of just you know complete taking advantage sort of overkill and and i don't know do you want 20 different guitar players interpreting the guy who's virtually uninterpretable you know what i mean some van halen is of course better than no van halen that's how sure. i have to look at the whole thing but Give it time. And I say give it time because nobody knows what live entertainment is going to look like. Nobody knows are our favorite artists going to tour anytime soon, let alone if at all. So whoever thinks that the first thing on the mind of all these people is there's going to be a tour, not exactly. Now, one-offs and tributes and live streams, yeah, we're seeing some interesting ones. And of course, you know, back to what you were saying, we are seeing some very interesting Eddie stories still coming out. There was the one a couple days ago about Ozzy Osbourne claiming that he almost joined Van Halen. Did you see that one? (laughs) No, not at all. But that's the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, Um, we are seeing some great things. I think I was talking about with you on the last episode, the Chris Holmes from Wasp thing that. Oh, yeah, that. That was really sharing some behind-the-scenes early Eddie stuff that we've never heard before. Whether or not it's all true is another story, but it's talking about where the finger-tapping really came from, dispelling some stuff. And Chris Holmes also said the often-said thing about Eddie playing with his back turned to the audience is not true. Really? Okay. Wow, that's interesting. So I did – I, you know, I, Eddie, Eddie himself is – has said that, you know, hey, listen, I didn't invent this, but right. I was a guy, you know, but, you know, he was clearly the guy that took it way, way places that heretofore nobody ever had. I mean, I was watching some Jeff Beck stuff recently and I saw him. It wasn't an old video, but I'm sure he was doing this before then, but just little bits and pieces and solos where he was doing the hammer-ons and the pull-offs, you know, with the right hand and stuff. But, I mean, and I'm, I know there was some, um, God, I think Eddie – reference i forgot the guy who it was was it a jazz guitar somebody way back in the day that did it once or twice but clearly he was a guy who just brought it to a completely ridiculous level and did things with it that he had ever seen before he took jeff beck you mentioned i i never heard that before 
I've always heard that it was a, a Led Zeppelin show at the Forum where he saw Jimmy Page do something similar and he copied it. Whatever it is, clearly the Yardbirds, between them two and Clapton supposedly being the favorite guitarist ever of Eddie Van Halen, I guess the Yardbirds might have been his favorite band. Yeah, you know, the weird thing is, and not to get too far down that rabbit hole, but I've been reading a Jeff Beck uh, reading a Jeff Beck. Auto, uh, Jeff Beck biography recently, but I mean, I never, and for years, I never heard the Clapton influence on Eddie's playing. I definitely always heard the Jeff Beck influence because Jeff has done some crazy stuff through the years with harmonics and bizarre tapping and these insane, insane string bends and all these different things, you know? I mean, it's a lot of crazy whammy bar stuff. So, I mean, in my, to my ears, uh, you know, I'd love to someday ask a guitar player, other guitar players, if we get on again sometime where it's like, okay, did you ever hear this influence on Eddie, on Clapton? But the interesting thing, too, from there on, and I was watching recently that wonderful Smithsonian. I was at that, remember yeah. it was part of the Smithsonian, that where it was like an hour interview. And if you have not seen this interview and you're a fan of Van Halen, Eddie, and Dave, you've got to see this interview. But, you know, he, he had mentioned um, in that interview that um, – and now I just completely lost my train of thought, but he was talking about his influences and different things like that. And, oh, one thing was was that after Clapton, he really listened to no new music. The joke was, what was the last album he, he got? Peter Gabriel So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 586, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that he didn't listen to any music, just did not listen. To, I mean, I can't believe, you know, driving around his Lamborghini, he didn't throw in a CD back then or even listen to K-Rock or something, for goodness sakes, you know, but yeah. go figure. Did you see any of the Billy Joel-related Eddie Van Halen stuff that came out in the last week or two? No, my goodness, where the hell have I been? Uh, I, I think you've been clickbaited by different things than <laughs> I've been. <laughs> I think that's where you've been. Well, there was two Billy Joel things. I didn't watch this first one, that apparently there was a West Side Story tribute at the Hollywood Bowl, early 90s, an all-star kind of thing. And I guess Billy Joel sang and Eddie Van Halen did a song with him. I really? didn't look at it, the video yet, but somebody unearthed it, whoever the curator of the whole thing was. And related to that, somebody said that Eddie Van Halen was asked to produce Stormfront album by Billy Joel, and he turned it down and referred them to Mick Jones from Foreigner. I have heard that. And of course, Mick Jones later produced 5150, the first album with Sammy, right? So uh, was it was in the producer's chair. 5150 was 86, am I correct? Yeah. And yeah, Stormfront was, was 89. So I'm guessing. Oh, that's right. You're right. Okay, there you go. Yes, never mind. I got my dates mixed up. You're correct. Yeah, mine was 1991. That was Nirvana that's Van Halen. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm actually interviewing Butch Fig next week, it looks like. So I, I have to, I'm curious to see if he knows about the Kurt Cobain story about him brushing off Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> so we'll see how much guts I have to ask wow. Butch Fig about Van Halen. That's interesting. You know, that reminds me, too, that didn't Kurt Cobain once say that uh, Nirvana was just cheap trick with louder guitars? Wow. Um, yeah, that was a quote. And of course, Dave Grohl is a massive Rick Nielsen and Cheap Trick fan as well. So there you go. Who knows? Dave Grohl likes all the bands that we do. That that uh, 46th birthday concert that he did. Oh, See yes. that? Yeah, with Dave doing Panama and Paul Stanley coming out there too. And right. I mean, yeah. Dave Grohl has the same taste that we do. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, you know, we're not that, you know, you, I'm older than you are, but I mean, you know, we're all kind of in that same sort of still buying physical music and physical 
you know, physical uh, means and, and being influenced by stuff we were sending on TV as well as radio age bracket. Yeah, where I'm going with that, though, is when Nirvana came out and also the first Foo Fighters record or two, everything was about punk and hardcore roots. Like, oh, yeah, Mike Watt was the most influential person in and you're going really okay mike watt's fantastic but <laughs> then you see dave Grohl at age 46 47 throwing a birthday party for himself and he's and who's on it and dave lee roth exactly know. exactly <laughs> you didn't see richard lloyd from television there some other erstwhile older pop, uh, yeah. punk rocker not to not to i'm he not going to step on not coming out for that one. <laughs> right i'm not going to step on dave's bona fides though because i mean i know from reading a lot about him in washington he grew up in washington dc the guy was a massive bad brains fan he was a true punk rock guy at heart but you know what did he first have on his turntable as a kid you saw that in his you saw that on his birthday his birthday concert you know so yeah and so you look at those special guests that came out and then when you see Chris Shiflett, the lead guitarist, who before he was in the Foo Fighters, he was in No Use for a Name, which is a punk pop band, and he could play all the Eddie riffs. So it really That's just right. yeah. Halen was everybody's first favorite band. I heard the singer of Alkaline Trio, who's now in Blink-182, his first album was 1984. Uh, Less Than Jake, we had the guitarist Chris on an episode or two ago. He loves Van Halen. So, you know, one of the bad things, and I, I'm way tirading here, but one of the bad things about the loss of Eddie Van Halen is kind of like the loss of Johnny Carson. Like that was one of the few people that everybody liked. you got to bring up a good point, my friend. Transcended everything, right? I'm getting off the soapbox now, Steve. No, that's okay. That's okay. We, it's, it's an easy place to end up for me and you, you know, very quickly. So, all right. Well, we got a great. You got a great interview with somebody whose music that I have really come to love. This guy is super talented. Tyler Bryant from Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. Um, this one, I think we taped it one or two days after Eddie's passing. He was wearing a Van Halen shirt. Um, he had a Van Halen related guitar close by, um, trying to think, I mean, it was only three, four weeks ago yet. It feels like a long time ago that we lost Eddie. It does, doesn't it? So, well, um, it's a great interview. Uh, kudos for nabbing him. And I just, I think musically that guy, I absolutely love this guy's music. I mean, it's just, he definitely hit a nerve with me as far as in the, in the rock vein there. I really dig what the guy's doing. He's, the music's got some attitude. It's got some swagger. He's got a cool voice. And he seems like a really cool guy too. Really nice guy. And he's one of those guys that's bridging the old school and the new school. Cause not only do we talk about Van Halen, but He's been on the road as a Guns N' Roses opener. And uh, is it Tom Hamilton or Brad Whitford's son that's in the shakedown? Oh, um, I think it's Tom Hamilton's son. Is you're it? right. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't get mad that, <laughs> that I didn't know that outright. But he got, <laughs> guy loves Van Halen. He's been on tour with Guns N' Roses. He's got an offspring of Aerosmith in his band. You know, he's keeping the flame alive. He's keeping rock going. And not a lot of people can say it about. Well, it definitely sounds like it. So here it is. Here's the interview with Tyler Bryant of Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. Darren, great job. Thanks for nabbing it. And everyone, thanks for listening and downloading the DLR cast. Thanks, all. Right on time there. How's your day going so far? You know, just getting just getting kind of moving. So uh, I'm good, man. I put on my Van Halen shirt today. 
I mean, we, full disclosure, of course, we had this book before Eddie's surprising, unexpected passing, to say the very least. Was Van Halen one of the first bands that you got into? Yeah, man, you know, like, it, it's interesting, because I'm a straight-up blues nut. Like, I, yeah. like, 80s rock was, well, I, you can't really call Van Halen 80s rock, but, like, whenever I first got into guitar, I was not, like, Van Halen was not something I would have thought about. And I had a, a friend named Hunter that I went to elementary school with, and his dad had an electric Les Paul and Van Halen's first album. So ain't talking about love. Like that was one of the, that was my, the first song I heard from Van Halen. And this is, this is how unaware I was is I had my first electric guitar was a copy of Frankenstein. It was like a little cheap copy of Frankenstein. Really? I posted posted a picture of it on my Instagram and I just thought it was a guitar that had cool stripes on it and so I think my parents did as well you know and then once I started like as I started getting older I realized oh wait this is because of Eddie you know and uh yeah he's he's a huge influence on me um you know this this guitar actually has one his signature pickup in it and uh yeah I, I think he's just you know his contributions to music and to kids like me are you know it's just there's not words that can explain it you know yeah uh pressure is an example of an artist who's still flying the rock flag really really high so congratulations on having another great record which you know a question or two about that before we talk some van halen stuff is it true that the title track was written before covid coincidentally yeah, yeah, it actually was. Um, you know, I mean, pressure is something I th feel like everybody feels all, all the time, you know, whether it's intense or not, but, you know, it's it's a it's just something that people feel and and um I think we we spent so we spend so much time on the road and mm -hmm. as uh, you know, as things start to pile up, you start to feel overwhelmed occasionally and uh and I I kind of wrote that song uh, with Caleb, the drummer in the shakedown at, at a moment where I was just feeling overwhelmed by everything. And, uh, you know, music is the outlet for that. And, yeah. uh, and so we, we kind of used it to try and make something that felt like a negative thing into a positive thing. And, uh, as, as 2020 sort of unraveled, that song sort of re reemerged and we, we thought, Hey, people are feeling pressure like they've never felt it before. To say the least, I can't top that. And album is still slated to come out in a week and change. Of course, there's no immediate touring cycle that we know of or anything like that. So do you know anything that's coming up for the band besides putting out this great album? So it's, 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 I'm glad you asked because I just, um, I just um, posted the ticket link for our, our album release show. We, we pre-recorded a show that's going to broadcast on release day. And um, we went all out, man. We, we, rented just these sick lights and and we had our front of house guy that works with us on the road come out and record the show and mix it so it sounds really great and there's behind the scenes footage from the making of the album uh interspersed between the songs and i mean it's it's sort of like the, i feel like the best that we can do with the situation that we've been thrown into and we're doing a we're doing a live chat as well while the show airs so that we can chat with fans and kind of hang out and try to have some sort of interaction 
Got it. Okay, I'm looking forward to that release show. Now, back to the main event, back to, to Van Halen and all that. It's really yeah. cool that Ain't Talking About Love was your first exposure and you had the Frankenstein guitar and all that. Have you always been specifically an Eddie guy or did you also care about Dave and his solo career? And it, there's no I, wrong answer here. No, no, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, to be honest with you, like I, I, Van Halen to me was it was always about Eddie and it was like to, to the point where I I never picked a side with the, the Dave and Sammy thing because I was always just listening to Eddie. Cause I, I as a guitar player, he's such a, like a virtuoso, such a legend. I was just blown away um, at what, at what he did. You know, for me, it's like, obviously, especially as I started becoming more of a, a singer and a songwriter, Dave started working his way into my heart a lot more because I used to just turn on Van Halen to listen to Eddie play, mm -hmm. you know, which is, it just, just goes to speak on how lyrical those guitar parts were. You know, right. he was singing, he was singing as much with the guitar as, as Dave was saying with his words and his, you know, and his crazy voice and all that. And, and I, and I, that's what I love so much about Eddie is he was, pushing the guitar forward. And uh, I think it took me a while to realize that the whole band was actually doing that. He was just kind of like the star in my eyes. Does that mean that you're a fan of Yankee Rose by David Lee Roth? Because that is literally guitar talking. I love it. I love it. Yeah, totally. I mean, so this is my, like my favorite Van Halen song um, early on was Ice Cream Man. Hmm. You know, cause Our it was like blues. <laughs> Yeah, it was bluesy and and yeah. like for me, I think it's so cool that um, you know that they were that they kind of took something traditional and pushed it forward. Yeah, and the last Van Halen album, A Different Kind of Truth, had "Stay Frosty," which between you and me is really Ice Cream Man Part Two, right? I mean, totally. I, I don't think totally. it's fighting that at all. It's almost like how can we own the publishing for Ice Cream Man? but not actually call it Ice Cream Man, and they came up with that song. And and if I'm not mistaken, isn't that Dave playing guitar on that song? It could be, I, I really don't know. Um, but it's funny, whenever my whenever my publicist wrote me and was like, are you a fan of David Lee Roth? And I was like, yeah, I'm a fan of David Lee Roth. And he's like, do you wanna do this podcast? And I was like, sure. And then I, I said, and then I wrote, sure, I can stay frosty. <laughs> that part didn't get forwarded to me. I love that record. To me, that record just shows like that David Lee Roth's mind is still creating. I mean, the, like the lyrics on that song, As Is. Um, oh, yeah. It's so cool to me. Like, um, what, what's the line? Uh, love them all, I says. Let Cupid sort them out. I love yeah. that. And doesn't that also have the line, the quote that he always said, like, I've been poor and I've been rich. Rich is better. Rich is better. Totally better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. did you read dave's autobiography way back when no i haven't it's you don't know when you're reading it it is the best book you've ever read or the most confusing book you've ever read supposedly it was a 700 page manuscript and all that now i'm getting immediate vibes that you are so much funnier than people would know from just your music and itself what was stand-up comedy influential to what you do uh, at all no, not really. I mean, I love stand-up comedy. I'm just like, I'm a, an attention whore. You know what I mean? And so 
I basically like whatever could get attention was like what I was doing as a kid. And, um, I, I, I love to make my friends laugh and tell jokes. And most of my, I think most of my friends are actually sick of that because I tell the same jokes over and over. Um, but I will say that that's one of the things that I find really intriguing about uh, David Lee Roth is the, that he does incorporate humor into something that's often very serious. Like, especially like in the rock and roll world now, like if I see a poster of a band and they're, and you know, my band's guilty of this too, or like everyone's looking at the camera like, it just killed their puppy dog in front of them. And it's like, oh, wow, these guys are really tough. I wouldn't want to run into them behind a club or, a you know, under a bridge where it's... Or a shakedown, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, th I think it's so funny, like, how he incorporates that playful energy into his lyrics and uh, and all that. But um, and in and, and interviews, like, dare I say he's one of my favorite people to watch interview because he, he absolutely freaks people out. Yeah. You know? I was thinking about this yesterday and you might have a quick fire answer as a historian -y kind of artist. Was there an artist before Van Halen that was hard rock and funny or at least smiley? Because Alice Cooper, uh, off stage they were hilarious, but on stage it was all serious. Alice never broke uh, character. Kiss, yeah, Paul Stanley's like happy, but he's—it's just like you are Kiss, we are you, that kind of thing. Yeah, he wasn't making jokes in the '70s or mid '80s. I don't, their yeah, side. I don't think anybody did it quite like they, like they did it. You know, where because it. Like I, this morning I was watching some of the, the footage of that, the Texas jam. Yeah. You know, and they're on with they're you know, they're all of these, like, I, I believe Ted Nugent was there. Um, you know, I mean, it's like all of these bands that are not that, and then they come out and it's like David Lee Roth being David Lee Roth. I can only imagine witnessing that and going, yeah, I haven't seen anything quite like this before. Right. Um, you know, kind of showing up with the hair and the makeup. And I mean, they really did start a movement, you know, not only, not only in the way, in like the styling of rock and roll from that point on, but also in the styling of guitar, you know, with Eddie that, I mean, that was like the thing. He was the dude, you know, I, I, I'm, so I'm a huge Jeff Beck fan. Jeff Beck's my favorite guitarist. And I would, I, I'm curious. I've, I've never really read much about it, but I would I would be surprised if Eddie wasn't a big Jeff Beck fan. But I feel oh, like he yeah. kind of yeah yeah. I feel like he took some of like what Jeff had started doing and just ran with it, you know. And uh, that's one of the things I that I love about artists like that is that they can take something sort of traditional that's that's there to begin with, and then they push the ball forward and they innovate further. And uh, I feel like that's sort of what, what Van Halen did. And you notably got to tour with GNR not too long ago. And of course your band has indirect ties to Aerosmith. Were there any Van Halen interactions at any point? No, I've never had any actions with interactions with Van Halen. The, the closest interaction I've had to anything to do with Van Halen was we worked with Andy Johns who, oh, yeah. um, he, you know, I mean, he did some stuff later, like uh, for unlawful carnal knowledge and and that sort of thing. I, w I was still just like, this is really sick that we get to record with this 
engineer who got to work with Van Halen. Um, and I had tons of questions about Eddie and, uh, you know, he got it. He had, he had us rent, uh, one of those big Dan Electro six string basses and a chorus pedal that they had used when they were making that record. And that was, that was a cool experience. Nothing, nothing good came of it, but it was very cool. Just to, I mean, I guess the good thing that came of it was that we got to ask him questions. <laughs> is, is there another guitar player besides Jeff Beck or Eddie Van Halen that comes even close for you? You know, I, that's a, that's a tough one for me because I'm, I'm kind of all over the map. I guess it just depends on what the, um, sort of what, what, the, what the bar is. Like if we're going for like virtual, like virtuoso status, I think Eddie's sort of the guy, mm -hmm. um, you know, and to, to me, Jeff was, Jeff was sort of my bridge from my bluesy traditional music upbringing to more rock and roll forward thinking guitar playing. And Eddie was sort of like the pinnacle of that. Um, and Jeff as well, you know, I mean, those are two guys that I just think of as, as complete innovators. Um, yeah, I, I, it's hard. It's hard to say. I don't think anyone has, has really affected hard rock guitar. Like, like Eddie has, you know, I mean, there's obviously like Randy Rhodes and, and these, these legends, um, you know, and, and I, I, I would have loved to seen what Randy did if, if he could have stuck around a little longer, you know? Yeah. Like, we're lucky that we had Eddie for so long. Absolutely. With, with all that. And did any of that lead you down an Ingve phase? That part I can't tell. No, no, I never really got, I saw, I saw Ingve once um, at a guitar show and, and, um, I, I can I can really appreciate it, but I never I never got into it. Uh, funny interaction. Well, that, for my taste. Uh, well, with with Ingve, it's the sort of thing that I find that people when they're really early into guitar, they hear Eddie Van Halen, their minds are blown, and then they go, "Whoa, there's a guy who can do even more notes." And then they get into Ingve, yeah. and eventually they outgrow it. Well, no, I mean, like Ingve's a master of the instrument. Like, there's yeah. no question about it. Um, you know, I was in a tough spot as a kid, and like when I first heard Ingve, you got to realize, like, I'm I'm studying BB King records. So mm -hmm. he, you go from a guy that's playing three notes and saying a tremendous amount to then a guy that's playing all the notes, and my my head was just exploding. It was basically like going to New York City for the first time after growing up in a town of 1,700 people. That's how it felt for me, like hearing Ingve for the first time. Um, my favorite, my favorite things to listen to with Ingve is when he's playing with a, like a full orchestra, you know. And you can really appreciate his uh, understanding of classical music. Um, but I feel like Eddie kind of had that flash and the skill, but was was still very lyrical and still musical in a way that would relate to us on a soul level rather than just on a skill level. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's how I sort of perceived it early on at least. Um, but I mean, even like, I, I didn't realize that you got me wasn't their song until like, like late, later on, you okay. know, it was like, um, but just those simple riffs, don't, 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 don't. that yeah. was the first time I thought that was Eddie's riff and he was just doing it and sort of bringing new life to it. But that, that was something that like, was sort of teaching history to a kid like me when I was in elementary school, putting on an electric guitar going, what can I play? Don't, no, no, no. 
<laughs> oh, no, no, no. You know, in in my mind at that point when I heard Van Halen, I thought that whoever was playing guitar was also the singer. That's that's what I thought. You know, and then as I started watching more, you know, videos and stuff, I, then I realized, oh wow, there's this other really big personality in Van Halen as well. Right. At this point in your career, people call you a guitar hero. Whether or not you want to embrace that, that's fine. You're a modest guy. But how much do you practice these days? How much do you warm up before you go on stage? That's what I'm curious about. Um, I, I just play guitar all the time um, as a result of trying to stay creative, trying to write songs, um, trying to stay sane. You know, that the guitar has been my sort of window into my own world since I was a kid. Um, so I, I always try to keep one close, you know, to where I can just reach over and pick it up. And it's not really uh, with the mindset of, oh, I have to practice to improve. I think that kind of just comes by doing it for me. Um, I have kids who've, who've asked me, like, how did you learn to, to do that lick? And I say, oh, well, it's whenever you're watching TV or something and you're not thinking about it, just do it over and over and don't, don't think about playing it. Just let it become part of you and part of the thing. And I think guitars just become something that I reach for um, kind of like a glass of water or something like that, something that you need. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I love doing it. It makes me really happy. So I keep them close. <laughs> Did the COVID related pandemic and being home, change how much you play guitar um no I, I i you know you would think that maybe it would but i play i play guitar all the time you know when it, whether i'm stuck at home or or not i think that um i'm very lucky to get to do this for a living but it's you know it's one of those things like i take a recording rig with me everywhere i go so mm -hmm. if if we're flying to europe to go on tour then i'll take you know, I'll pay the extra whatever to check my little road case with my recording rig and a guitar cable so that I can sit up backstage at the show and put headphones on and go to my own little world. And um, I think the thing that COVID did was it just, it forced me to figure out where to put my energy and, and, and that went into our new record because we, uh, we're a live band. We, we go, we play like a hundred to 200 plus shows a year. So we're going, man, we're fish out of water. How are we going to get back in the water? And that was, that was making this record. Well, I mean, fish out of water in terms of also, this is the longest break you've ever had. I'm sure that even when you were making records in the past, if you're focused on it, still there'd be a, Hey, can you play this one festival for a good amount of money? Yeah, sure. Let's take a break. Let's go in and do that. So it's now been, uh, did you come off the road in February or March? Um, we, we came off the road and we played our last show December 28th with Clutch in Asheville, North Carolina. So even longer than that. So no gigs in 2020 at all. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we, we, we have played no real shows in 2020. Jeez. Well, I'm hoping for a 2021 to be full of gigs from your band and all that because you got this great record. Fingers crossed, you and I have no control over that, except just telling people to wear masks and all that. But two quick questions. Yeah, I know, I know. And uh... <laughs> Two quick questions then, you're a free man for me. Is that okay, Tyler? 
Yeah, of course, man. Okay. So, yes, you're a guitar guy. Yes, we established you liked comedy. But uh, away from all that, the television area, what's a TV show recommendation or two that you could pass along that people should be getting up on? Ooh. Um, Ozark. I think Ozark's a great show. That's one I, I it's that's one that I wished uh I wished I hadn't finished so fast. <laughs> that's the word. Jason Bateman finally acting in and showing his dramatic colors and all that. I know. What about you? Are there any shows that you've been uh digging on? For sure. Uh there was a Comedy Central show called Detroiters that got canceled two, three years ago. Ever heard of it? Mm-mm. Hilarious show with uh some SNL related people about them uh, kind of being forced to move back to Detroit and start up this ad agency. It's a really funny show. And Brockmire, ever heard of that one? Mm -mm. Uh, Mm-mm. Hank Azaria from The Simpsons playing this kind of disgraced baseball announcer. Uh, It's almost like Eastbound and Down, but about a baseball announcer. I mean, golden age of television, am I right? Yeah. That's awesome, man. Cool. Um, I've learned Ozark. I've learned that the new record is going to have a live release show that you're going to be tweeting or doing the social media ing during it. Nothing's stopping for Tyler Bryan at the Shakedown. That's what I've learned. So I'm going to ask you yeah. the closer. And that's uh, any last words for the kids? I'm, I just want to apologize to everyone because I just remembered that um, – I initially was not going to answer any questions for this podcast using my own voice. I had planned to just use this Diamond Dave soundboard. Um, God damn it, baby, no, I ain't lying to you. I'm only going to tell you one time. Ah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's my last word for the kids. This is, uh, this is I can't believe we haven't talked about this because this is my favorite app in the world. This is something that I use so much like if i find myself in a very serious situation where i'm supposed to be being very quiet then i myself will remain very quiet and then i will just uh (laughs) the best does anyone else in the shakedown have that on their phones and they do that as well no i'm the only person because i think that at this point they're like probably so annoyed with it um because i used to i used to prank call people using that (laughs) and and now everybody knows it's me you know but i I mean i tried i tried like the dr phil app and like all i found all these funny ones but that was the that was that's the best one like the other my wife is in a a band as well and the other day um you know they were they were working on a you know a a video to post on youtube or something and Mm -hmm. I waited till they I waited till they finished and then like at the very end it was just <laughs> and everyone loses it. It's so funny. I mean there's the great oh god, oh god, I'm running. Uh but uh Yeah. I, I think that begs the question, are there other Van Halen songs that you can create a full soundboard off of besides running with the devil? I, yeah, I think that someone should offer a prize to whoever whoever can can top this one. But my, I, I, I'm sure there are. My you know, I'm sure there are. Would be just like Paradise, 
if you listen with the that's it, that's it, and the 1-800-SEE-A-BABY, and uh, the whole, maybe the whole Skyscraper album, he talks more in between uh, choruses than I think most people do during a day. Yeah, man, that would be great. I would love, I would love to love another one. <laughs> exactly. Well, that is, I take back everything I've said. That is the best thing that I've learned about you from this interview, that that soundboard is ready and willing at all times. So Tyler. Yeah, it's, on, it's, on, it's on the first page, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's devotion, man. Well, thank you so much for your time and just keep up the greatness and hope to see you live in New York when this all blows over. All right, man. Cheers. Thanks for supporting rock and roll.